the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. folks here we are we're back here in studio with redeeming the time i'm your host chris macy the minister here with the north valley church of christ and we're going to be taking a look at revelation chapter one revelation chapter one in this series we're we're not going to be diving into a lot of depth with uh, a lot of this the goal here is to kind of give us a snapshot of the book revelation i'm going to try to do about a chapter or maybe even two chapters at a time uh, I doubt I'll do uh, one chapter, half a chapter, you know, or, or small sections. Uh, I might, but my goal here is to keep it as simple as I can, to simply show you here's what I think it means to the best of my ability, and then move on from there. That way to keep these short, keep it concise, and not move beyond what the text is telling us. So we're going to start by reading... Chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, verses 1 through 3. If you're looking for an introduction, we already did that. Uh, please go back and find that one. It should be uh, later on in our uh, RSS feed online. But uh, you'll sh- you should be able to find that there. I'll try to remember to have a link to that in the comments after this. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants, the things which soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. All right. The word revelation is from the the Greek apocalypsis and is usually rendered apocalypse. It means simply to uncover, to lay bare, or to disclose the truth. This is a final word from heaven. There have been uh, there have there been, I should say, any revelation since then. No. This is it. This is all. You have his angels mentioned here, his unnamed angel, also 22.6. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive more into that as we move along in the text. Um, we'll see other angels, uh, verse 17, or chapter 17, 1, 21, 9, 22.6. John's commission there, verse 2, is to testify of what he saw. Remember, this is a revelation. There's, there's going to be visions, although the vision's not going to start right away. Verse 3. Yeah, that word blessed. This word blessed is found seven times in the book, forming the seven Beatitudes all throughout. And uh, you can find, I'll, I'll go ahead and list those here for you. We find it here, chapter 1, verse 3. 
chapter 14, verse 13, 16, 15, 19, 9, 26, 22, 7, 22, 14. That's an interesting study uh, in and of itself, but uh, that's uh, also a good preaching topic. The seven Beatitudes of the book of Revelation. The prophecy, that's going to be the revelation. And then, of course, the time is near here in verse 3. That's the motivation for heeding what John will write because the difficulties he will reveal are about to be unleashed upon the Christians. And they're already being persecuted. But it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Verses 4 to 7. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests, to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. All right, verse 7, or verse 4. To the seven churches. John was well known in the Asian congregations. Uh, there were more than seven congregations in this area. You also have Troas, Colossae, Heropolis, others. So I think we can conclude from the number seven that these represents God's complete or full will for his people on earth. What will be included in the seven letters represents characteristics of congregations in any generation. Again, in the book of Revelation, numbers are very symbolic. Uh, we'll, we'll hit on each one of these a little bit as we come to them. The number seven, I believe, represents God's full will for man on earth, generally, or, or depending on the context. In this case, God's will for his, his people. And we get that from, from number one, from multiple things. One, seventh, uh, the seventh day of creation, that's when God rested. It was his day. Also, and more likely, I think, you take the number three. The number three, that's the Trinity, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the number four, which represents the four corners of the earth. That's the earth, number four, the earth. You add those together, you get seven God's will for man on earth. And it sounds kind of far-fetched, but the more you see this number seven come up and we apply the idea that this is God's will for man on earth, it will make sense. It fits with each section all throughout. And I'm not the only one who says this. It's uh, pretty pretty universal, I think. So that's the, the seven churches here. are not They're not put in here for any old reason or just for these seven. These are, are ty types of congregations you will find in every generation of Christendom. You will find this in every generation. This kind of You can categorize every congregation out there in one of these. And we'll, we'll hit through all those. Verses 4 and 5, note the word from in this, found three times. Uh, the greeting is from the fullness of the Godhead, perhaps. You have him who is and who was and who is to come, the Father. The seven spirits who are before his throne, that's the Holy Spirit. 
which I see as the power of God, and of course, Jesus Christ. And he, he has a fuller description. He is the faithful witness. He died to, to be faithful to his testimony. He was uh, the firstborn of the dead. Firstborn had preeminence. He is the first to be raised, never to die again. So there's you have his ministry, the faithful witness, his rank, firstborn, position, the ruler of the kings of the earth. This would include Domitian, the current Caesar. These will eventually stand before him in judgment. That's verses 4 and 5. Verse 6, this is followed by a doxology to this king, to him who loved us, won our hearts, released us from our sins, cleared our record in our conscience. He made us to be a kingdom. If above earthly kings, what about his kingdom? Note that this is not some future earthly kingdom here. He's talking about the spiritual kingdom. We are it, the church. Priests direct access to God through Christ and to his God, the Father, uh, his God according to his human nature and his Father according to his divine nature. So it just, in these verses 4, 5, and 6, it hits on almost every aspect of Jesus in these short verses. In verse 7, this is the first Old Testament quote found in Daniel 7, verse 13, also quoted in the book of Acts and Matthew. Um, every eye means every human who has ever lived. Now, the Jehovah Witnesses suggested an invisible coming in 1914. The Mormons say Jesus came to America, but the Bible knows of no secret comings. Every eye has seen. Then you got that phrase here in verse 7, those who pierced him indicates a resurrection from the dead. The mourn, not repentance, but hopelessness type of mourning there in verse 7. And this is all building up to something here. That's why I'm not spending a lot of time. We're moving to see the buildup. Look at verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is Christ's signature. Alpha Omega, he's the first and last. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Jesus is the complete word, logos, from God. This is it. Lord God, deity, who is and who was and who is to come. That's eternal in his nature. The Almighty, that's his great power. So that's his signature here. Verses 9 to 11. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet, saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. All right. So John's commission here to write, he's uh, verse 9, your brother places John among the readers. There's a threefold fellowship there, the tribulation, pressure brought by the hostility from the world, the kingdom, uh, not a future kingdom, because of the kingdom uh, that they are experiencing tribulation, they're in it. Perseverance, literally remaining, remaining under, they're bravely enduring the persecution. Verse 10, Lord's Day, it's a familiar day to the Christians of that day, 
which is Sunday. I know there's some debate out there about that, but that's what it is. I'm not here to debate it. That's the way I see it. If you want more from me on that, I can do another recording. But as I read this, that's Sunday. In the Spirit, uh, many, most... Uh, uh, say that this is talking about a divine spirit. A con- he's under the control of a divine spirit. I prefer to understand this as not that kind of Holy Spirit, but of his own spirit. He's taken up into the sea of the things of heaven, kind of like Paul was. And he's in his spirit, and he's seeing these things in that way, these visions. Verse, uh, oh, well, no, I want to talk about the trumpet. Trumpets were used in the Old Testament for three things. To announce something, to send a warning, and for assembling. Uh, It's going to be used here uh, throughout the book of Revelation. Here, I think, it's to announce something. Later on, it's a warning. We're going to see the term trumpet used, and it's definitely a warning. It's to get their attention, to warn them. Here, it's simply get their attention. Verse 11, you get the book. Literally, that scroll in the Greek. Indicates a permanent record of all the visions was intended. Uh, the seven churches symbolically represents all churches again. We've already talked about that. And note that they are listed in geographical order from Patmos. If you were to sell off from the island of Patmos and land, you would go through each one of these cities in this uh, order as you would take the road there. Verses 12 to 17. Uh, do I want to go 17? Let's do 12 to 16, I mean. I'm sorry. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Interesting. So this is the first vision John has. And it's of the glorified Christ. How do you see a voice? Interesting, isn't it? Okay, that's what the text is saying. Anyway, verse 12, you got these seven golden lampstands. That's going to be the seven churches. We learned that from verse 20. Probably a vision or symbol of not the way they presently are, but as they should be. You know, they're a lampstand. They, they ought to be giving off light, right? That's what that indicates. Uh, they're golden. That's the value. They're precious. Lampstands, light dispels the darkness. They hold up the light. Verse 13, you have in the middle there, Jesus uh, promised to be with his disciples. He's right there with them. He's one like a son of man. It has to be Jesus who referred to himself as uh, the son of man. Uh, the robe reaching to his feet, that's a majestic image, perhaps even a priestly robe. Uh, the golden girdle, not around the waist for work, but uh, a display of glory and rank and dignity on his uh, chest there. His head uh, and his hair were white, purity, holiness, not old age. He's talking about purity here. 
Uh, he has his eyes like a flame of fire. That's penetrating power. Nothing's hidden from his view. Also a fire of wrath or righteous indignation, perhaps. Uh, verse 15, feet like burnished bronze. Wherever he steps, it burns like ashes. When he comes in judgment, it, uh, he is able to tread underfoot those who refused submission. I, I'm thinking of Malachi chapter 4, verse 3 on that. You have the sound of many waters. Have you ever tried to speak over the roaring waterfalls at Niagara? It's an overwhelming power when he speaks. Verse 16, in his right hand he held the seven stars. Uh, The right suggests power and strength. Seven stars are the angels. Again, that's from verse 20. The two-edged sword from his mouth suggests his word. But here the word of judgment Uh, face was like the sun. He is seen in his glory. Remember when Moses' face glowed, right? This is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. I've used the New American Standard. The Greek text is Christos. That should be Christ there. Verses 17 to 20. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, real quick on this one. John's overwhelmed there in verse 17, and so he falls down and worship. Uh, he was with Jesus three years on earth. Why would he react this way? It's because of what he's seeing, the glory, the true uh, glory there of, of Christ and his and what all he's seeing there and understanding. Or perhaps it's even been, it's been so long since he's seen the Lord, and he's just so so glad to see him. Verse 18, Jesus has the keys of Hades and of death. That's authority. People who have keys, they have authority over things. And it's over death and Hades. Those are the negatives of human existence. Hades, that's the grave, the unseen realm of the dead. And if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has those keys, that's a blessing for us. And if he's not your Lord, well, that's not not a blessing. The order, verse 19, or the commission to write down everything John has or will see. Uh, Verse 20, the mystery, that's something hidden, but not unknown. When revealed, it is no longer hidden. Now, who are these angels? Well, the term angel is angelos. In the Greek, it means messenger. It's found in both the singular and plural, a total of 76 times in the book of Revelation. There's a lot of thoughts out there what those could be. Some say they're the elders of the church. Some say it's the preacher of the church. Some say it's the actual angels uh, that from heaven. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think it's the actual angels from heaven. I think it's probably uh, a messenger who is perhaps the one that's going to take these things to the church. John cannot leave the island. 
maybe he is uh, in communication with the congregations when they uh, send their, their folks over. He gives them the letter and they take it there. I don't know. Uh, but that's just the way I see it for now. That's the end of chapter 1. Yeah, I know. We kind of went through it quickly. But again, this is just a snapshot. And really, this one in chapters 2 and 3 as well, and 4, these are foundational chapters in helping us understand the rest of Revelation. You'll see that. So the further we get along here, the more detail we're going to see, and things are going to start making a lot more sense, especially if we understand the first four chapters very well. So I just want to give you what I see here as the facts. Again, this is my study. Uh, also, Guy Orbson Jr. and others. And just take it with a grain of salt. Chew on this. And feel free to let me know what you think. Appreciate it. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast here. And may the Lord bless you in all that you do. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.